This is the Legacy United Methodist Podcast. Good morning, everyone. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here at Legacy. Whether you're joining us online, on television, or right here in the sanctuary, we're so very glad you decided to spend just a little bit of your August day with us. I've been back uh, one week for my 10-week sabbatical, and it has been great to be back. My thanks to the leadership team for their support and their approval. My thanks to all the staff, the preachers who took on more of a duty. The denomination was able to give some dollars to help pay for their extra time. And to the staff who took over so many of the holes that I left and for all of you for stepping up as well. My deepest thanks for allowing me to be gone that long. It was definitely needed and refreshing. My deepest thanks to you. Uh, This morning, we're kicking off a new series called At the Movies. We're exploring some of our favorite films from the last couple of years and seeing this intersection between God and faith. As Methodists, we believe in provenient grace, that God moves in and around our lives before we even know God exists. It's why we perform infant baptisms here. We believe God is moving in and around the infant's life so that at some point, they're hopefully going to choose to follow Jesus for themselves. Provenient grace is supposed to get us to act. It's supposed to get us to move, to say, yes, Jesus, you are my Lord. God moves in and around us whether or not we acknowledge God exists. God gets our attention. God wakes us up to God's existence through other people, through circumstances, through nature, and yes, even some of our favorite films. We get echoes of what God is like. We get echoes and tastes of what God is like through our favorite stories, our books, music, and yes, even our favorite movies. We're spending time today with the Madrigal family in the movie Encanto. Encanto was released on the downside of the peak pandemic, and it did just okay at the box office, as did most films in that time period. However, once it dropped onto streaming onto Disney+, this movie exploded. The soundtrack shot to number one on the charts. Videos of the songs from the movie are among the most popular songs on YouTube. We don't talk about Bruno, the most well-known song from the film, became a TikTok sensation. None of this happened. None of its popularity occurred until it dropped onto streaming, leading some critics to call it the first TikTok blockbuster. The movie begins with a grandmother, an abuela and her granddaughter, Mirabelle. And they begin, she begins by telling a story to her granddaughter. The story begins with refugees looking for a place of safety from war and violence. It has echoes of our last series when we were in the book of Ruth. There also were people looking for safety, for a place to live, and a place to thrive. And we know this still happens in the world today. Refugees needing safety, security, a place to call home. People fleeing for their lives, looking for a safe place to be, to make a home, to make a family. Christians have been caring for all kinds of refugees for 2,000 years. It is a part of following Jesus to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, not only did the Madrigals flee, but a part of their village came with them. So after the grandfather, after Abuelo dies, the miracle arrives, and the miracle protects not just the Madrigals, but everybody of this community that's with them. They finally find a safe place. They finally find a place to be home, to help everyone's families grow, not just the Madrigals. A vibrant community grows around this miracle of protection, safety, and gifts. 
I couldn't help but think that this vibrant community is a picture of the church as it should be. This is a picture of following Jesus. Christians are knit together not necessarily by their biological family, although sometimes it can be. Christians are knit together by their unwavering commitment that Jesus is the Lord in their life and the Lord in the world, even though it doesn't feel like it some days. At its best, the church provides a place to find safety, to grow in faith, and to meet the needs of everyone, not just those in the church, but those in the community at large as well. The most idealistic picture of church you're going to find in your Bibles is in Acts chapter 2. At this moment in history, the Holy Spirit is unleashed in the world in force, and everyone who says Jesus is their Lord. The candle is lit, and the Spirit lit the flame. Peter preaches this sermon, and one day, 3,000 people decide to join the church. And near the end of this passage, we read how the church, how regular people lived their days, how they spent time with each other. It is what vibrant church community looks like. We pick it up in verse 42 of chapter 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple every day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, every day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved." That is a powerful picture. That is a vibrant picture of the first days of the church, of a community knit together, not by biological family, but by Jesus. A Jesus who calls everyone to follow him because everyone is worthy. Everyone is loved. Everyone is valued. Everyone is needed. Christianity is the first religion on the planet to break down many of the barriers that had existed up to this point. Christianity breaks out of a religion based upon where you were born, what town you were in, what family you might have been born to. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. It doesn't matter where you call home. It doesn't matter where your family comes from. Faith is not based on geography or genetics. If you want to follow Jesus, if you confess Jesus is your Lord in the, your life and in the world, that's it. That's all it takes. It was a radical confession back then. It is still a radical confession today to orient your life around a first century poor Jewish carpenter who was and is God in the flesh, the God who created the universe. That's an objectively crazy statement. But that doesn't mean it isn't true. That doesn't mean it is not true. Jesus says, follow me, and you're going to find life like you never had before. You'll find purpose like you've never seen before. Love like you've never felt before. You are loved, and you are needed. Perhaps the Spirit is moving in your heart today to say, yes, I'm going to commit. Jesus is Lord in my life. Or I might recommit today and say, you know what? Yes, I still believe. I still believe Jesus is Lord over my life and in the world. 
I mentioned that Acts 2 is a perfect picture of church. Because the church is full of human beings, because it's full of us, we're not always going to get things right or treat each other the way that we should. We're supposed to love God fully and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We don't always get that right. Even with the Holy Spirit changing and transforming us, we resist. We resist. We say, nah, I don't want to change that part of myself. I'm fine Not only that, we argue. We argue and we fight with other Christians over all kinds of matters, large and small. Later in the story of this early church in the book of Acts, the church is navigating how much Jewish law these non-Christians must follow, these new non-Jewish Christians. There is considerable debate on which Jewish rules should be applied, especially circumcision as a mark of faith. Some say new Christians need to be circumcised, just like Jewish people. Others say, no, they really don't. Needless to say, I'm sure the older adult men who were, not uns- who were uncircumcised would prefer that not to be applied to faith. So after healthy, vigorous debate, the church sends a letter. And you've got that letter in Acts 15, and it says this. The apostles write, For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. You must abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. If you do this, you will do well. Farewell. I love the line, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They reached a consensus. Circumcision was not required, just those couple things mentioned in the letter. It was much more important to let Jesus into your life to transform you from the inside out than it was to be circumcised, this outward act. And the church, like a family, discussed, debated, and they came to a resolution together. There are times in the lives of all churches decisions need to be made. We've made decisions in the past, and we will again in the future. And hopefully we can come to this place just like the earliest disciples. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. They were able to do this because they were in community together, like a healthy family to know each other's hearts, passions, and pitfalls. It takes commitment for us to get to know each other in groups, in classes, in serving teams, so that times of decision come, we see the best in each other. We assume the best from each other and not the worst. Perhaps your next step today is to get to know some other people around you, in person or online, through a life group, through a class, through a serving team. Getting to know other people, it is a great next step to grow in faith. Every family member in Encanto has a special gift. We who follow Jesus, we say we also have spiritual gifts. We have gifts and talents and graces given to us by God to help bring God's kingdom. Well, we learn all about many family member gifts in Encanto. We learn something interesting about Mirabelle. Mirabelle does not have a special magical gift like the rest of the family. Everyone else has this ability to control the weather or see the future or heal people through a great meal, but she doesn't. She doesn't even get her own room. Only when you have a magical gift do you get your own room. So she stays in the nursery as a young adult with other children who don't have a gift. That's rough. As if that isn't enough, Bruno, the one who can see the future, has this vision where it appears Mirabelle destroys everything. The home, the community they've built, you name it. How is that even possible? 
when she doesn't even have a magical ability. You know, for us in the church, we believe everyone has gifts. We believe and we know as Christians, we know this to be true. God's given us the ability to serve out of our gifts and talents and graces in the world. We have gifts to love God fully and to help our neighbors to love our neighbors as ourselves. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, the first century church planter, reminds us that everybody has a role in following Jesus, in being the church together. Without each other, we cannot be the people of God we are supposed to be. Without each other, we cannot be the people of God we are supposed to be. We cannot be the vibrant community of faith that we are supposed to be without one another. Paul writes, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we, we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. We've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. We know some gifts are easier to see in action than others in the church, but that doesn't mean unseen gifts are unimportant. They are critical in our bodies, for example. We don't see our kidneys or our pancreas at work, but they are absolutely critical. We don't see our heart pumping and beating. We can feel it and know we are still alive, but it's absolutely critical even though we don't literally see all of our organs at play every single day. Just as it is with our bodies, so it is with the church. We see pastors and music leaders and worship leaders up front. We see people greeting us in and out of the sanctuary, but we might not see, we might not see the people caring for our kids and our students in another room. We don't see the people preparing the space in prayer every week. We don't see the person preparing supplies so kids and students can have a great event so they can encounter Jesus. So many of the necessary and critical roles at Legacy are not up front, but absolutely necessary to the success, to the success of our mission together, to bring hope, healing, and wholeness to everyone in Jesus' name. This past year, our student ministry director raved about a couple of leaders that were new to her team. The first was a little hesitant to even enter and volunteer in student ministry. She was sure she did not know nearly enough about the Bible to answer all the questions they would have and wondered if she'd just be a good example to the students. Vicki convinced her to give it a try and all year, all year she was blown away by the gifts and graces and talents of this new volunteer. Most of us would never even seen her in action because high school met after all of our normal Wednesday night activities had ended. But quietly, quietly and consistently, this lady won over the hearts of high school students, getting them to open up and to talk honestly about important and deep things. Vicki said it's like she had the spiritual gift of conversational magic. Kids just trusted her, and they connected with her immediately. The second leader is no stranger to church service here. He's played all kinds of roles over the years, but it was the first time Vicky got to see him in action with high school students. He worked hard to connect to one student. This student was a friend of a regular, and this friend was quite frankly a pill, often being disruptive and distracting to the whole group. But this leader, 
decided to love this student anyway. One day, the leader was talking about bringing food to his son at school one day, and this other student said, no one, no one would ever do that for me. Challenge accepted, the loving leader said. Well, I will. The kid doubted it would happen, but the leader promised. And sure enough, that next week, during his regular high school routine, he delivered food to this student. That kid, often a troublemaker, didn't miss another Wednesday night for the rest of the year. One adult in church won over his heart with a Subway sandwich. Stuff like that doesn't make the highlight real or pictures at the end of the year. It's done quietly and just person to person, but what a huge difference. What a huge difference one person can make on one student. We can make a difference for Jesus one Subway sandwich at a time. One life at a time, one interaction at a time. Friends, you are a part of the body of Christ, this vibrant community of faith. Where is Jesus stirring up in your heart to move, to act, to take a step? We serve in all kinds of ways outside and inside of the church. And inside of the church, there are all kinds of ways for you to take a step. From legacy kids to students to worship arts to hospitality, you name it. Whether it's every week, once a month, a quarter, or occasionally, there's all kinds of places for you to respond to the Holy Spirit and say, you know what? I want to give that a try. If you find the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart to take a step, reach out. Tell us in your Connect card, reach out to Kelly, reach out to someone on staff, and we'll help you discern. We'll help you understand the stirring in your heart and find a place fit for you to serve out of your gifts, talents, and abilities. As Mirabelle's story unfolds in Encanto, she, we come to see she does have a gift. She is, in fact, gifted. She is a developer and a truth teller. She helps her family see new parts of their gifts they didn't even know they had. She helps them understand boundaries and their limitations when they're working too hard. Mirabelle helps them to see the truth of what they are dealing with. She helps them to grow to become more fully alive than they were before, beyond the amazing gifts they've been given. Even as everything seems to be falling apart, even as the miracle is coming down around them, Mirabelle is unlocking the potential in her family. But Abuela doesn't understand what's happening. Things fall apart. While some family members see the truth of their situation, they see ways they can grow and they can heal, Abuela does not yet. And remember, to be fair, she has an incredibly traumatic and painful past. She lost her home, her husband and their flight from war and persecution. And she had three newborns to take care of by herself. She had to raise them on her own with no spouse, no husband, and just the community that was around her. And instead of dealing with the pain from her past, she projects that onto Mirabelle. Now friends, sometimes we blame the wrong person for our own stuff, just like Abuela does here. If we experience a person interacting this way with us, we must always try to assume the best in people. Assume trauma before drama. Assume trauma before drama. In the times we live in, with high rates of loneliness and mental health needs of a pandemic that just doesn't want to recede, we need to assume people are dealing with all kinds of things we have no idea that they're dealing with. And that's why they might fly off the handle with us for no apparent reason. It's why we should lead with kindness and gentleness in all our interactions. 
In 2022, the calling of Christians is to assume trauma before drama in all our conversations and to lead with kindness and gentleness. Because we have no idea. We have no idea all the stuff people are dealing with. Now, Mirabelle is the truth teller and the developer in this story and reminds me of another truth teller we all know. Jesus called himself the way, the truth, and the life. If we truly want to be healed, if we want to be our true selves, to be the people of God, God has created us to be, we need to spend time with Jesus and to not be afraid to have him help us deal with our stuff. He says in one part of your Bible, you are truly my disciple if you remain faithful to my teachings You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Friends, truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. Friends, truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. Jesus desperately wants to set us all free from whatever hang-ups and hold-ups and sins and mistakes that are keeping us down. As another one of my favorite television shows puts it, the truth will set you free, but first it will tick you off. The truth will set you free, but first it will tick you off. That is exactly what happened with Abuela. Mirabel hit her with the verbal equivalent of a two-by-four. Abuela was not dealing with Mirabel or the situation properly. Abuela was mad, but the truth ultimately does set her free. The miracle is the truth teller and the developer, Mirabel. You know, friends, I want you to find your place to serve out of the gifts and talents and passions that God has given you to help other people take steps toward Jesus just like you have. We're given gifts to be a blessing to each other, to our families, and to the world. But even more importantly, even more importantly, the real blessing is simply being a part of the family and the church. Friends, the miracle is you. Jesus wants you. You are welcome. You're invited to come and to journey with Jesus to find out who you are truly meant to be. Say yes to Jesus' invitation to be the Lord of your life and take an incredible journey of discovery to find the you you were meant to be. Let's pray together. Loving God, we give you thanks for Jesus, for breaking down all the barriers and coming to you. All we need to confess is yes, your son is our Lord. We invite the Holy Spirit to invade us, to begin to transform us from the inside out so we can live a lifetime of following you, being people who love you fully and love our neighbors as ourselves, leading with kindness and gentleness in all our interactions. It is in our resurrected Savior's name we pray together. Amen.